Ho, 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 and Merry Christmas from V'ger, please, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. Your very favorite Voyager episode review podcast. And if it's not, fuck you. Go listen to something else. <laughs> My name is Joseph. Hey, I'm Peter. I don't know. I just, I guess I'm in a fighty mood, Peter, because uh, I don't think you can watch the episode we watched and not, like, feel like a need to stab somebody and, like, defend your prison hovel. And uh, uh, take afterwards. a shower. This was a dirty episode. It I want to say right now, I nominate this episode title to be the Prison Shank Olympics. <laughs> See, I like the base of that. I think we just need to refine it. You know, it's like the core is good there. I think we need to find the right. Maybe as we do the episode, we'll we'll hit on the right phrasing of that. But I've never seen so many people get stabbed in a Star Trek environment was... ever. Like. Yeah. Well, let's let's just go for it, dude. What did we watch? We watched season three, episode three. Hold on. Before we jump into this, I, I want to point out, I went to the one Christmas party I got to go to this year last night. And I don't know what it is, man, but I get a couple drinks of me and just maybe it's the podcast's influence in my life or whatever. But the Star Trek conversations I get roped into with complete strangers and I'm not initiating man. some girl made a comment about stealing a star trek uh enterprise ornament off the tree and somehow it ends up hearing about her action figure collection that's in her ex-boyfriend's house and then the podcast comes out i, I don't know how many of these people i talk to randomly drunk but if you're out there <laughs> and listening thank you you i don't know what it is that you managed to attract people into your life that casually in conversations you did not anticipate you're having these deep nerd cuts where it's not actually all that weird for you to bring up that you have a Star Trek podcast. Like that, that's the real stunner from all of these stories. It's that it, by the time you're bringing up that you're doing the podcast, it's a natural part of the conversation. I don't have these moments in my life, Peter. I don't. It's because you hang out with professionals and I hang out with nerds. And I oh, think it's just a oh, foregone oh, conclusion. Please, that please. I go play magic, the gathering on weekends even they look at me like I've got three heads. They look down upon me, Peter. Well, look, you need to take a lesson out of uh, this episode. And when someone looks down on you, just blast them with that shank right in the ribs. Just, just knife them. All right, man. So, Season three, episode three, The Shoot. So uh, this episode opens. It gets right to the point because we come across, I guess, some unused sets from Mad Max to the Road Warrior. Mm hmm. And it's like this dirt floor, industrial hillscape, interior kind of set. And everyone in the room looks like a uh, an extra from the Warriors. But like after they've not had a shower for three weeks, they've got the, the stereotypical post-apocalyptic kind of rags on them. Uh, got a couple of different looking... Uh, species in there mostly one kind of uh pseudo klingon uh, uh head ridge action going on and that's exactly my thought on this was you know you get your first scene of kim getting dumped down a chute and just dudes surrounding him and it just looks straight up like a klingon prison and i'm okay with that yeah yeah it looks like ruo pente ex except you know like the tropical version like it's hot in there and like you said, Harry Kim gets gets sent down the chute and 
lands in the middle of all of these prisoners, and immediately he gets gang jumped into the prison. They pick him up and they start like tossing him around and like punching him in the face, tossing him to another guy, gets punched in the in the uh, groin, and he gets thrown to a, a familiar face, Tom Paris. Now, when you're saying familiar, you mean familiar to Harry Kim or a face that's familiar around prisons? <laughs> oh, we'll get to the fact that Tom Paris knows how to jail. This man knows how to jail well. <laughs> By the way, this episode's awesome. Go watch it. Let's get that from the fuck out of the way. I loved it, and you should go watch it if you've never seen it. Uh, I would say it's uniquely one of the more psychologically uh, damaging episodes of Star Trek you'll ever see. It's, yeah, it, it it was a refreshing departure from your normal 90s Trek formula. Oh, um, hell yes. This, uh, this whole scene of Harry Kim getting passed around to various ass beatings. Um, I have a feeling that if this was an HBO show, that it would have been, um, I don't know. I, I think there's some metaphors here of what would actually happen to Harry Kim if he was dumped in an alien jail. And uh, this is obviously the PG-13 version of what would happen in an alien prison, where, as we will find out, everyone is being fucked with, getting a little mind fucky. And their aggression responses are, are super hyped up. And uh, just to, to show where we're at with this, like right off the bat, that moment of, of relief of seeing Tom on Harry's face immediately is wiped away when Tom just wallops him and f- sends him to the t- to the to the dirt. And that's when they cut to uh, the credits that Tom is is also gang jumping Harry Kim into the prison. So where the fuck is going on? Shit is already very real for Harry and Tom. And we're going to have you having a, an awesome little adventure with these two. A dirty, sweaty, crazy adventure, to say the least. You know, we've had a lot of opportunities to to have Tom and Harry time. We had an old episode that was supposed to really show how good friends they were. They ended up not serving that at all when when Harry got sent back into like a perfect version of parallel universe version of his of his life. This actually does so much for these two actors that are really fucking good in this episode. Like their acting skills are way above par of what I've been expecting out of them lately. Absolutely. When you look at this and you look at like the last, you know, real Tom Paris focused episode that we watched, which was really threshold. Think about how flat, boring and uninteresting he was in that. Who? And then think about this episode. Wait, wait, wait who, that who was? That Tom Paris, that Robert Duncan McNeil, like... Uh, I stand by Threshold. I think that there were certainly scenes that, you know, Robert wasn't feeling. And then, like, you know, the, oh, I'm dying, woe is me, versus the, I've just seen Infinity, and now I'm crazy. So, it was a Peaks and Valley episode out of that. But I would say that they consistently, both in this episode, um, perform very strong. Before we get any deeper into this episode, you've got some pretty good names behind it you got les landau doing the um direction on this who gave us uh time and again <laughs> and i would say has adequately redeemed himself um but he got alliances heroes and demons um prime factors which was one of my favorites and then you got kenneth biller writing it and uh, i would say this is certainly a, a strong point for kenneth biller 
who also gave us a logium, but also uh. did two Vix and uh you know he's he's got some some pretty cool ones in here. So I would say this is uh, two a- Vix. <laughs> Come on, man. Those enraging eleven minutes that we will ever have watching the show. Engaging eleven minutes. Well, I will say this episode is highly engaging. And it's much better than Juggernaut, which was another low point for him. So I think this is a good chance for a couple of for a lot of people involved in this to to get some redemption points. Yeah, they really went for it. Um we we cut back to the prison uh where Tom reveals that the the backstory kind of in pieces. He basically, I don't know how else to put this, so I'm going to say it exactly the way that I I was thinking when I watched it. He claims Harry as his prison bitch. Yes, that's how it happens. He claims Harry as his prison bitch by saying, "Oh, we we did this bombing that killed 47 dudes, and he snitched, so he's mine now. Back off." And when kind of the the head thug of the prison that's got the biggest gang tries to say, no, he's going to be my prison bitch. Tom, who knows how to jail, already has his knife. He's already got his prison shanky, throws that shit up to his neck and says, nah, I'm taking this one. So if if Harry's going to be stuck in jail with somebody, at least he's stuck in jail with the one guy on Voyager that knows what he's doing in prison. We find out a little bit later on that. Tom's actually been down there for three days and you got to think about this as like one of these survival type games like Rust or Conan Exiles or Fallout 76 like he's had three days to like build his base camp and start getting equipment him popping a a prison shank that quickly uh, and seemingly out of nowhere we used to work with a guy hmm, should I tell the story We used to work with a guy, and I won't say what his name is, but his his nickname was Keister Shank. <laughs> and uh, I don't know where Tom pulls this knife out of, but it seems like a real handy prison pocket. And he's uh, he's clearly seen his way around a shank before. He has. There's a yeah. there's a lot of stabbing. There's a gratuitous amount of people getting stabbed in this. Tom carries Harry away from the beatdown room and you would get we get an explanation by way of them catching up with each other. What what happened, which is that they were on a planet. There was some kind of terrorist attack. They got blamed for it for whatever reason and whatever planet justice system they're dealing with basically just decided to say the other one ratted them out. Even neither of them did and throw them in prison for the terrorist bombing because um, how did you not just hit the dun 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 button? This might seem familiar to some of you out there, Um, and it's for a good reason. Tom Goes to Jail is quickly becoming a Voyager staple. (laughs) It's true. I'd like for the moment to recount how many times Tom, if not Tom and Harry Kim, have collectively gone to jail. Um, We will start with uh, the adventure on the Shitheads planet. Of course. Uh, when the Vidians captured him and put him in that labor camp in Faces. Yep. We can kind of count Harry caught in Juggalotech. True. We've got... Hmm. Does, uh... No, I guess Kim doesn't actually have a chance to go to jail in non-sequitur, but uh, had they been caught, they would have ended up there as well. Correct. What else we got? We got uh, the fact that Tom was relieved of duty... And and put on uh, 
uh, like house arrest and then eventually was imprisoned by the Kazon as all part of the deception of season two. A good coin. And that was, uh, of course, featuring the Queen of Burns herself. Correct. We have Tom's initial stint in the pokey in uh, Caretaker. Correct. This yeah. guy's been around been around the block. And when you're saying he knows how to jail, he has put skill points into the jail wisdom category. Yes, <laughs> he has. He has. He goes through these first three days there. I can only assume like someone who has played, you know, the first stages of a video game on PlayStation before they're able to afford a save card. And he knows him by heart. So like you said, Harry's in real good hands right here. They also remark on the fact that they have these neural implants in their heads uh, that they call the clamp that is forcing aggression responses in everyone down there. And that comes into a major effect as the episode goes on. But they establish their existence and that they both are realizing that they're being affected by it. And essentially the way the effect is described is that it's, it continuously raises their anxiety and aggression response mechanisms towards everything. And what happens after uh, we, we get this, uh, this little backstory is that the food gets delivered, which is where, so an alarm goes off and a bunch of nutrient bars kind of get shoved down the chute and, uh, suddenly all the prisoners are, are going for bars. Tom and Harry get there a little late to be able to get food, but they are there uh, for enough time to see somebody who had grabbed a bar be lifted up by his hair and then have his throat cut you know, from ear to ear by a guy I will come to call as, uh, as Hobo Monk and just dropped unceremoniously into the middle and his food taken. I called that guy prison Jesus. And the fun part, <laughs> the fun part in this episode is when Harry and Paris go up to the guy who just has his throat slit and they check his pulse only to then decide that he's dead. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. What's his throat being cut right in front of you? Not obvious. And, and I think we have our, we finally have our uh, episode title. It's, it's shanken with prison. Jesus has got to be it. Let's see what other um, rocks we can cover here. I think we got a few more gems to go. Yeah, I mean, that is as brutal a fucking murder on screen as you'll ever see in Star Trek. Just here, just here's a, a guy's throat being cut right here on camera. No fucking question about what's happening here. Just is it because they're aliens blood. that they can get away with kind of like gratuitous violence like this? I don't know. That was really like... That was I was surprised when I saw that scene. I didn't remember that specific scene happening. Were you was it a conversation with you where you were talking about in Star Trek six Klingons have pink blood so that they could dodge the R rating? Correct. Yeah, maybe like if it's it's not really a human, there's like some standards and practice hoops you can you can duck. But regardless, you are now in a fully fledged knife fight murder prison and this is the second time that tom and harry have ended up in in a mutual thing like this and i want to take a step back and you know we don't really have full explanation yet of exactly what happened here 
But there's enough stuff on the board to really start drawing some conclusions. And, you know, I got to go back to Janeway's lack of competence as a leader. Like, how many times... And, yeah, it's a TV show and you need plots and stuff like this. But, like, how many times your dude's going to get scooped up into this kind of... Oh, I'm sorry. Then we also had the, you know, um, the episode where it might have been Tom, but uh, the Balana and Tuvok get uh, imprisoned during New Jack Neelix's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that didn't involve Tom, though. Tom did the jailbreak, though. They sent Tom in to break people out of that prison, so he was involved. The crew of Voyager is frequently, frequently um, imprisoned. And I don't know if this was a... I think he says this was a shore leave gone wrong, but, like, man, maybe you guys just need to start finding uninhabited planets and doing, like, picnics in the grass. Because these aliens just love throwing your dudes in space jail without any real due process here. Delta Quadrant needs judicial reform. That's yeah. the big takeaway. I know the other big takeaway is too, oh, there you got stranded crew members who don't know where their dudes are. Gee, if only they're those subdermal communicators. Yeah, I mean, I think we've well established that that absolutely should exist and just doesn't because it would take too many plot ideas away. I mean, you've got Harry Kim who can make super strong force field generators to reinforce the hull, but doesn't dawn on him. Like, Hey, before we go get accused of false murder, maybe, maybe we swallow this pill first. But, uh, so yeah, they've got these nasty protein bars that are getting dumped down this, uh, toilet chute. Um, and it's just a limited, resource area you don't really see any talk about water it looks like dudes are just pooping in the corners the whole thing is a real i guess the question will come up later on like why bother with this prison we'll find out that people who are sentenced to this prison never get to leave no matter what um that they just seem to be added down there willy-nilly and the question that kind of follows me through is if you're paying upkeep on this thing. Why not just shoot prisoners in the head and be done with it? I mean, if they're just down there murdering each other like animals anyways, like, what's the point? We finally cut to Voyager after this, after the, the fucking throat gets cut. And I will say Janeway is, is batting above her average in this episode of being a good captain and giving zero fucks. Uh, she's getting pretty impatient with this planet because all she knows is that Paris and Kim are missing and she's afraid that they might have died in the terrorist bombing. But eventually some, your stock smarmy, uh, you know, planet ambassador that always gets dispatched to talk to Voyager summons, summons her up on the view screen and says, yeah, so they totally did the bombing and they're in prison now. And uh, Stevie, uh, Stevie was watching this with me and she's like, well, this is what happens when your next door score is too low. Because they uh, they're super suspicious of Voyager because, you know, they're off worlders and it happens that their ship is is powered by dilithium and it was trilithium explosives that were used, which can be refined from dilithium. So obviously they did it and uh, they they make a half hearted attempt to like impound and arrest Voyager and they just go away. Yeah, man. Techno babble in this episode is all about that lithium, baby. Trilithium, dilithium, monodicyclithium, like. Yeah, paralithium. Paralithium. It's It's easy to check out on it, but that's what the accusation boils down to. And I'm going to do you one better than uh, next store for this one. I think the Delta Quadrant may quickly be approaching the Chinese national security. (laughs) Um. (laughs) 
social standing scorecard Olympic. Like, yeah, Voyager's social credit is low due to their constant fucking with everyone they meet. Yeah. And who the fuck would want this goddamn ship of of Harbinger of Doom showing up at their doorstep? Like, no, we heard. We heard what you did. Just go. Just get the fuck out of here. But I'll agree with you. Uh, Janeway, aside from the nonsense of continuing to let people go down on these planets where they don't understand how the law works and that that's dangerous, terrible, you know, societies that are just going to endanger their their people. Um, she's real on top of her game. So this dude shuts her down and says, uh, nope, they've already been processed. That's that. And she gets a Scooby squad together to say, all right, well, we know that the bombing happened. And in a rare turn for the Voyager crew, instead of just breaking them out of space jail as the first go to. Let's solve this mystery for the locals. And she gets her science team on figuring out where could these was it trilithium. Yeah. So they they narrow down. Uh, using their sensor logs that there were some ships that were powered by paralithium, which is another substance that could be turned into trilithium, and that there were a few ships in the area that could have potentially been the source of the explosives as a consequence. And they're going to go on a terrorist hunt, essentially going to go find these ships and find out if, if they were the ones that created the explosives or not, assuming that if they find the one that did it, they found the terrorists and they can go from there. I know it's nitpicky, but one of the things I do want to look at in the in the prison. So Tom and Harry don't have their com badges, right? Correct. There's perfect English going on here. And, you know, right after basics two, where the crew got their com badges pulled and they couldn't communicate with the cave people who very clearly had a spoken language like. And again, I know it's petty, but it's like the way they pick and choose, like, where is the universal translator? When does it apply? When is its absence a plot point? And when do we just look past all of that? So, you know, we have drama and whatever scene we're creating. It starts getting a little tired after a while. You know, I it, the drama was good enough that I didn't care. You know, like when the episode's good and those kinds of details aren't impacting what's going on, I tend to forget. Like, it didn't even occur to me that that was weird. I'm like, I'm too into what's happening here to, for that to matter today. I think normally I would look past it as well. It's just the fact that language was such a major barrier in basics too that it refreshed my my gripe. I I think that's like the key difference between you and I is that I tend not to hold on to that stuff unless it's clear the episode's logic falls apart. And I could like, here's my, you know, a quick off the cuff explanation. There's a... Uh, translation field in the space station because as we're going to find out from from prison jesus uh this is a sociological experiment on the part of this alien race to stick prisoners in these situations and see how they turn on each other and therefore it's in their interest for them to be able to communicate so they can see where it is that their levels of you know communication still break down because of the implant that they've put in them so let's talk about space jesus while we're no, i'm sorry prison jesus while we're at it this guy our first introduction as you said was during the um botched feeding where he kills a dude and steals his uh protein bars this guy i can't i think he kind of looks like um the sheriff from true blood 
Okay, yeah, more, yeah, yeah. More Jesus-y in a prison setting. Yes. Dude's got a real smooth voice. Um, good presentation. He's really got some good cult leader stuff going on. And we find out that this guy has been here for a very long time. And this is an environment where people do not last long. So he is old and it's for a reason. And it's because he's a badass. And the other scumbags have kind of learned to keep a distance from this guy because he's crazy. He's handy with a knife. And if you leave him alone, by and large, he'll leave you alone, assuming you don't have his energy bars. Yeah, and we, we get a, a more of an introduction to him because Harry's been working on essentially a little jury rigged uh, device using a pipe and some wiring to try and short out the force field that's over the chute. Because their idea now is the only way we're going to escape is through this chute. It has a force field on it. I'm going to use my handy dandy Federation engineering skills to use these, you know, uh, stone knives and bear skins to short it out so that we can climb up the chute. And they're working on it and dealing with the, their mind getting fucked with. And, and Tom is trying really hard to, to keep Harry focused. He's like talking about food a lot with him. He is, which amazingly Harry's... not a single mention of tomato soup or any soup. <laughs> Cause they're going no. through every food they love. And if you remember back in caretaker, yeah, that was like, Tom's big thing was that the replicator couldn't make good tomato soup. But uh, I know it's an odd one, but we've had such prevalence of soup that it was really amazing that they go through like prime rib and cherry and pie, but no mention. Tom names all red meat and and Harry's like, oh, what about some shrimp? And he's like, no, more red meat. T-bones, goddammit. So, uh, you know, Tom is is like we said, he knows how to jail. He's trying to protect him. He's trying to, you know, assert dominance, that sort of thing. And eventually, like, uh, King Hobo and his homies come by as as uh, Harry's working on this device. And it's not working out quite well yet. And eventually, King, King Hobo's had enough of Tom and they get into a knife fight. And Tom wins the knife fight against King Hobo. They, they bust their shanks out. And he he lays down those classic Star Trek right left crosses and has the advantage on this guy. But then one of his homies just basically violates the rules of Star Trek fights and just just stabs him just in the side, just like walks up to the guy and stabs Tom right in the fucking gut. And it's a bad stab move. They, they pan down. And it's this nasty fucking prison shank. And there's all this blood and it's like right in his side. It's like Tom is is in trouble. He is seriously fucked up by this prison shank. And uh, that's when Harry breaks out of his uh, his grasp that he's in from the gang. It starts swinging his pipe around like a like a crazed lunatic. Uh, like a what? <laughs> Started swinging his pipe around like a like a what? A like crazed a, lunatic? Like a lawn suit. <laughs> Like a lawn suitor. I mean, he's got this. He's got the the issue, the pipe. I mean, that's the thing. These these Federation officers, they get their hands on these these pipes and they're murder machines. You know, a knife is a little bit too much murder. You know, it's too much intent. But you switch over to those bashing weapons and it's like, hey, you know, I wasn't trying to kill anybody. But if you died, well, so be it. Yeah, man, this whole episode, I couldn't shake the thought like. God, what if Lon didn't die and instead of it being Paris or Kim down there, you had Lon's suitor in this environment. He, Lon he, the pacifist pushed against his limits again. Like, what a good ongoing plot for this guy. 
Yeah, like, could you imagine, like, okay, so Basics 2 ends, Lon survives and successfully gets the ship back. He gets forgiven as a consequence. So, like, all right, Lon, you've you've proven, like, the murder that you did has got to be in the past. You're a valuable member of the crew. We're reinstating you, right? You, Everyone owes you their lives now, right? Mm-hmm. And here we are, two episodes later, and imagine if it's Lon and Harry that get stuck in this prison. Imagine right. it's Harry that just got stabbed and Lon knows he has to take action again. And he sees the pipe laying there on the ground. And he sees the pipe laying there and it starts playing that music as he's just glaring at it. <laughs> it's like, oh, the, the Felix, they're returning. Oh, no. And then everyone fucking dies. He just murders everyone. Damn you, Jerry, for taking this excellent potential future away from us. Oh, God, that would have been so awesome. Like, <sighs> the, the re-emergence of Murder Lawn. Like, they finally come to rescue, and and uh, everyone's dead, except for Lon and Harry. <laughs> like, just, they, all, they all show up like the fucking gang squad that they do, and it's just bodies everywhere. And you it's know, just him with a pipe just crusted in blood, like, oh, hello, Captain. Harry thought <laughs> the, the, the key to figuring out this force field was the pipe. He was half right. It wasn't using the pipe to short circuit it. It was using the pipe to kill everybody so we could drain the force field's battery with all these bodies we just threw into it. <laughs> well, and it should be uh, mentioned, too, like they don't know where the hell they're at. They're in, like you said, some nasty looking factory. Rumor has it that this thing's like, what, 300 meters below the surface? Correct. And that they're in some subterranean prison. But there's no windows. There's no night. There's no day. It's just... Sometimes the hole opens up and dumps food. Sometimes the hole opens up and, you know, dumps uh, fresh fish prisoners. So this is when they go to get uh, Prison Jesus's help. Uh, Tom's all fucked up. They go back to where they their hovel and a bunch of other people have taken it. And without any other options, they go to Prison Jesus and say, listen, uh, Harry's like, I'll give you whatever you want. I just need bandages and water and food. And a place for him to rest. And eventually the barter that they come to is that uh, Harry's going to help prison Jesus escape with them uh, using his his uh, short circuiting pipe. And prison Jesus allows uh, the help to be rendered, but makes clear that he will murder both of them if Harry's lying. So, you know, the stakes are still high, but there's a momentary respite here. And meanwhile, Voyager has had some success in their terrorist hunt. They have found a ship that has uh, the sensor readings that suggest they could be responsible for the bombing. And fortunately for Voyager, the two people on the ship act guilty as fuck from the very beginning. Fastest terrorist confession I have ever seen. Like they fall apart under questioning faster than Lon does when Tuvok finally confronts him with the evidence about the space pipe murder. Yeah. Tuvok. I mean, Lon tried to lie at first and then got found out. These guys don't even try to lie. They're like, ah, okay, we did it. So they board <laughs> the ship and uh, they bring over the two crew members and it's a dude um, and his 14 year old sister. And Janeway's talking to them about like, you know, I know that there's some political unrest on your planet. And she's like, the government is corrupt in the open sky, what you call a terrorist network. They're freedom fighters that will free us for tomorrow and instill true government. It's like, well, hey, Tuvok, call the kids back over because I think we got a winner here. <laughs> yeah, she 
she shows no sympathy for them. They're like talking about all these geopolitical problems and how terrible it is. And she's like, I, I don't care. I'm taking you back so that I can get my people and you're going to go to jail. And that's what's up. But hey, you can get a shower and a meal while you're here. I, this was the hard part of the episode for me to watch Janeway. Like it's all cool and stuff while she's beating the trail, trying to find where these real terrorists are. But once they, they capture it and you see this guy's 14 year old sisters involved, I think it starts throwing out some moral hard pills um, because Janeway, the, the dude's like, Hey, look, you can't take us back that prison where your friends are. That's where we find out you don't get out. Like there's no getting out of that thing. And she's a 14 year old girl. And Janeway just gives no shits about any of it. And it makes me start wondering like, all right, now, you know, you're getting involved in like local politics and I, I feel like there's some prime directive stuff going on that's getting ignored as well. As, like I said, a 14 year old girl to prison, like some real heavy ethics. Uh, I would say that a, the episode, if it's missing anything, is a moment of reflection on Janeway's part. Yeah. Confronting that. Uh, I think that still her no nonsense. Listen, I'm not getting involved. I'm just going to give them the people that they're looking for so I can get my people back and get the fuck out of the situation is a totally good call on her part. But some moment of her to reflect of like with, with Chakotay of like, man, this is getting real uncomfortable. Like, I, I just want to get this over with because if I have to think about this too hard, I'm not liking the fact I'm going to turn this 14 year old girl over to unknown fate. Yeah. It, I, I can't see past it. And, you know, ultimately we'll find out that the government doesn't care and they go for a jail bust anyways, but it's like, I think this cast Janeway in a real bad position. It would have been the right time here to be like, you know, if it's between sending a little kid to jail or us just doing what we've done the entire time we've been in the Delta Quadrant, and that's have our way anyways, local politics be damned. Let's just cut the song and dance off and and, and get the prison break rolling. But you know, some reflection on the part of Janeway as to why they have to do this, if there's some rationale. That would be one thing of like, hey, we're trying to not get involved in everyone's shit anymore and make any more enemies. You know, like something as simple as that of like, yeah, we got to stop pissing everyone off. And that means I'm going to go and I'll play by these people's rules so that I don't have another fucking enemy on my trail. Right. But man, she's got to see at this point that it's a corrupt government, like the lack of due process. Like they've dealt with these people, not these exact aliens, but they've dealt with this situation before. And. I don't know, man. I think that maybe there's some real credence to this open sky network. I mean, especially given the new Jack Neelix episode where you see like these authoritarian governments like. She was part of a resistance like she's got no sympathy. And again, you jump back to uh, what was the episode name where she's thinks the guy thinks it hits her daughter. Oh, I know which one you're talking. About. I think it's called resistance. I mean, she was part of a resistance movement. She's got real front row seats for this kind of shit. And again, it's a continuity issue always with Voyager, but this would have been a great time to sit down for some callback and be like, let's rethink our strategy on this. But they don't. Um, it, was, it was missing some kind of beat there, but quite frankly, I appreciate that they don't spend a lot of time with Voyager or what they're doing, and they spend as much time as they can with Tom and Harry. Because the shit that happens at from this point forward is fucking intense. 
Yeah, so Tom's got this terrible stab wound, and uh, unfortunately for him, the only medical professional is a hologram and a space elf, and then him, and Harry Kim, who is an intelligent person, has never really gone through any first aid training. So the medical regimen here is Tom is going to lay in a um, a steel box with bed bugs and and some rags jammed into his knife wound, uh, and just let that infection go apeshit. So you know we got to suspend disbelief for a little bit that Tom just doesn't bleed out within the hour, and he starts making it what appears to be two maybe three days. The passage of time is a little unclear as exactly how long they're there. Uh, but from from this point, we get a lot of Harry kind of on his own because now his protector and guide in prison, you know, the character you'd expect to sort of be the rock and be able to get them through it is fucking not only just out of commission. A liability. He goes, you get, yeah, he becomes a liability. He gets delirious. He starts accusing Harry of being the person who stabs him. Eventually they, they get into a fight and it's really intense. Uh, how like Tom goes from strong to weak to even like kind of crazy. And the point where it really shows is early on after he gets stabbed, he's like, yo, Harry, if it gets to a point where you got to get out of here, get out of here. Do not worry about me. Like, you take care of yourself. Like he's being strong, Tom, right? He's being yeah. the character we associate with him. Like, I don't want you to sacrifice yourself for me. And then as his condition, uh, condition deteriorates, he gets, he gets really worried that Harry's going to leave him there. And even, he even says it like, don't Harry, don't leave me here. Don't, don't I, he's scared. And it's so effective and unexpectedly deep. You know, I started the episode by talking about how good these actors are in this episode. This is where it, where it starts to hinge because now Tom's weak. Harry needs to protect him while trying to escape while also dealing with the fact that he's also going crazy from the mental implants. And Space Jesus wants his. Yeah, Space Jesus wants to get out and also starts to see in Harry a kind of acolyte of somebody that could like be one of his disciples of the way because Space Jesus has sort of channeled the crazy implant in a way that allows him to maintain a level of control that no one else seems to have. He's got a murderous Zen about him. It is. Yeah. That's why I was like going with garbage monk. It's very Zen. It's very like, and he's even in like a meditative pose at one point with his manifesto talking about it. Yeah. He's, he's managed to channel it in a weird way that he's capable of focusing his violence very specifically without being out of control. And a Golconda of sorts. <laughs> yeah. Man, we love sneaking in those vampire references. This Perfect is good. clarity. <laughs> That's deep. And I want to jump back into to, to Robert before we go any further. Looking at Threshold and, and what you're talking about with Tom going like hot and cold, you know, pathetic to villainous. Like it's a real throwback to Threshold when he's got like his head pulsing. He plays that pity card on Janeway like, you know, please, I'm scared. And then lunges at her. And and I think that's really where Robert Duncan McNeil shines as an actor, as someone who is able to just flip that switch on and off like a light switch and, and to do so seamlessly and to do so um, with great impact as he does it. And Garrett Wang is good in this, too, because he starts to really tr get troubled with what's going on to him and his reactions to things. 
It's probably the best performance he's had in the entire show, in my opinion. I have to imagine that set was very full immersion. It had to be hot. It had to be stinky. And I think I think it must have been easy to find the characters in the right headspace while you're recording that stuff. It felt like it. It felt like he wasn't reaching. It felt like he kind of got there somewhat naturally, and it, yeah. it, it felt good watching it like he was there. Uh, Harry manages to short circuit the the shoot force field and get up it. Uh, but the big reveal that kind of got spoiled in the scene before when they got the terrorists is that they're not underground. They're in a space station and there is no real way out because clearly what's happening is some kind of supply ship or, sh- or troop ship is coming in with prisoners or food docking, shoving their shit down the chute and then bouncing. And so suddenly their escape options become very, very limited and unrealistic. I find space prisons very, I mean, it's a it's a strong, depressing, disheartening situation, like the ultimate Alcatraz, right? You don't have to swim through a cold body of water. It's like, what do you do? You know, you're you are just fucked every way you look at it. I do like when he finally short circuits the kill field that's around the shoot. There's this moment he's like, all right, I, I think I did it. And he looks at space Jesus. He's like, hey, guy who's been threatening to kill me and my friend and steal our boots like. Go ahead and touch it. Coast is clear. <laughs> and Space Jesus is just like forgets all of his his jail knowledge. Is just like, oh yeah, okay. And they uh, they force that door open. I want to point out the real flaw in this prison, though. That's a real narrow tube. There must not be any overweight people on this planet that commit crimes. I don't think they're going to fit down that little slide, man. I think they just get jammed up in there. Well, you know, we don't see a lot of space fatties. You know, like. In in the 24th century, even in the Delta Quadrant, everyone's got good nutrition. Mm. Yeah. But this starts to weigh on Kim. They're stuck in an even worse situation than they thought. Then he starts to deal with Paris starting to not recognize him as Harry really. uh, You know, he gets the pipe and, and starts to struggle with Harry with it and then remembers. And that's when he begs him not to leave him there. And later on, he comes back, help him out even further, right? He's, he's trying to rally the other prisoners to, hey, let's go up the chutes because we can take over the ship. And Prison Jesus is like, that's stupid. They beat well, him up and throw man, shit at him. There's a and, reason why Harry does not have Burgundy on that uniform. This dude cannot give a motivational rousing speech to literally save his life. And yeah, when the, when like the main bad guy throws that wrench at his head and just busts him. All I could think was, uh, what was that dodgeball when Rip Torn fucking dodge a monkey wrench, you can dodge a ball. Yes, yes. Well, he doesn't dodge the wrench and therefore uh, would not make the average Joes. But uh, he goes back again to the shelter and sees Paris taking apart the uh, jury-rigged pipe. And that sets him off. And there's this great scene where Kim fights his crippled bleeding to death best friend and almost murders him right then and there by braining him lawn suitor style with the pipe. Yeah. And that's like, I think Tom snaps out of it at some point. And you know, to Tom's credit, he has been having a rough day. Uh, he has not eaten. Uh, he has been stabbed and he does have a thing clamped to his scalp that is actively making him crazy. And he's probably got like sepsis or something terrible. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> of sympathy there. But Tom's like, he's like, oh, 
what's happening to me? And I thought it would have been real cheeky if, uh, you know, Kim would have been like, well, look, Tom, you know what? You're not becoming a future catfish. So <laughs> remember, man, it can always be worse. <laughs> it's good. We could be, this could go downhill from here. Yeah. Don't tempt us. <laughs> Your lungs aren't melting and you're not trying to abduct a captain to go have illegitimate. Man, how good it would have been if their catfish babies would have found them. <laughs> Sprung him out of the <laughs> We're getting you out. <laughs> Dad, come on, get up the shoe. Like, what is that fish saying? I can't understand a damn thing. <laughs> they cut to prison Jesus trying to convince Harry to kill Tom and sort of take that step into being his acolyte. His Sith apprentice. Yes. And he gives him the, the just this gnarly looking Gurkha knife prison shank. And the music in this episode is really good, too. They use the music to good effect to, like, highlight some of the crazy, some of the camera shots. You know, a lot of the shooting in the, like, the way that they, they shoot Harry as he's trying to, like, rally everybody and walk around. It's kind of disorienting. You see all the chaos in the background as it's happening. The, the music and the camera work is, is particularly well done to emphasize the growing insanity and pressure that Harry's feeling. And he puts this knife in his hand. And, again... I, 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 for the very first time, I could say Garrett Wang's acting in the scene, his, his nonverbals are so good because you can see him seriously considering taking that knife and murdering Tom. There's a part of him that wants to do it so much and he is actively fighting it off to eventually tell prison Jesus to go fuck himself and drop the knife and not do it. So meanwhile, back up on the ship, um, they bring this terrorist ship in their cargo hold over. They've got the captain and his 14 year old sister, and she gets the authoritarian government up on the phone and says, hey, look, I actually found the guys who are responsible for providing the bomb materials here. Take them. Just give us our dudes back. And he's like, "Eh, no, like we said, uh, it's a life sentence. There's no take backs and your dudes are ours. And fuck you, we don't care. And now Janeway, you know, kind of after the fact realizes like, oh, hey, uh, we are actually dealing with ship bags. And now her position's weak. So she has to go back to these guys, the terrorists, and like, um, you know, how about we do this? How about you tell me where that prison is and I'll let you go? And the dude calls her out and he's like, oh, let me guess, the government doesn't care about actual justice. And uh, now you're hosed. So he tries to play some hardball with her and says, I'll take you where it's at. But there's some open sky people in this prison. I want to get them out, too. And then Janeway just like forgets the fact she's dealing with a shitty government. It's like, no, you don't understand how this works. Uh, I take you take us there. I get my people out and then we just let you go. Uh, And he ultimately agrees to that. But. I don't know, man. I, I still feel like she's complicit with a corrupt government that's being demonstrated to her in like real time. It's missing a scene of her saying, I am not going to make these people my enemy. Like as, as much as possible, I'm not going to get involved in their shit. Yeah. Same, same as before, like some kind of establishment between her and Chakotay of we have to be careful because we're finally beyond the Kazon space or whatever. We, you know, we're starting fresh with this new batch of Delta Quadrant aliens in this part of space. Mm. We gotta, we gotta not go fuck with everyone that we meet. So 
I'm not gonna like start a, a general insurrection against the government by freeing all the terrorists in prison. I'm just gonna get my people and I'm going to leave and I'll let these two jamokes go. Like, I did I like. Get, I get why they want to do that, but they don't express actually in the story a, a, a rationale for it. Right. So they come up with a pretty clever plan because the government is looking for Voyager at this point, expecting some nonsense, and they use Voyager as a decoy. Meanwhile, they tap Neelix's ship, which has been sitting in the shuttle bay for three seasons now, and say, uh-huh. we're going to send them this Talaxian scout ship, uh, and he'll do some space cat buffoonery, upload <laughs> some cheese into their system, and before you know it, <laughs> we'll have our guys back. So Neelix's ship heads out with the security detachment. Uh, Chakotay stays with the ship, and Janeway, knowing how to jailbreak. Oh, yeah. Uh, goes along with them i i love the way they set that scene um the rest of the prisoners have turned on harry and tom's looking bad like that sepsis is real they've got some makeup on him he's got he's got the darkened eyes he looks like he's pretty close to death but Mm -hmm. harry kim has established a firm bruce lee style stance uh you know he's he's got that pipe he's ready what's left of the pipe did we mention that tom completely destroyed this thing yeah, he like took it apart, and that's what really set Harry off and uh, their confrontation where he almost killed him. But he's got those remains of the pipe. He's got that battle stance, and he 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 says like, you know, this guy's my friend. Nobody touches him. I will I will fuck you up. I'm a Starfleet officer with a pipe. You have no idea what you're about to unleash on yourself. Yeah, Tom or uh, Harry's asking himself at this point, you know, WWSSD. What would Solid Suitor do? <laughs> He would kick an ass or two. That's what Solid Suitor would do. Absolutely. And, and really what you're seeing here is Tom's going to die. One way or the other, Tom's going to die, whether it's the prisoners killing him or time doing him in. Harry's got no option. The The one way that they had to get out of this place has been destroyed by Tom. And even if they could get out there, he would have to unite the entire prison to jump a guard ship when it docked. And, you know, Harry could back off and live out his time in the prison under prison Jesus's tutelage and protection. But he has made a decision at this point that he is going to go down with the Tom ship. He's going to go down swinging and that's just how it's going to be. And luckily for him at this exact moment, uh, a certain space cat is docking to um, prison colony. And the, the, the new prisoner alarm goes off and the prisoner that comes down is Janeway with a phaser rifle who immediately stuns like six guys on a wide dispersal beam. And immediately after Janeway comes Tuvok and a couple other guys, first of all, I, you know, it was cool. And I like that they use the wide dispersal beam and it's oh, like yeah. this, it's like this forked phaser rifle thing. This it is looks, a phaser rifle good. I have never seen before. This phaser rifle looks like a toy that's like three pieces. It's three different guns, and you can like lock all the guns together to make yeah, Voltron it looks like gun. a Power Rangers super gun. Like they, they would lock the weapons together in Power Rangers. It looks like that. This rifle is bigger than Janeway's. It might as well be a bazooka. And keep in mind, like the regular hand phasers, they're essentially weapons of mass destruction. Like there's nothing that like a hand phaser can't do, assuming you're not dealing with Borg shields. The fact she brings down this this fuck you gun. Is is specifically that like she is in the mood to tell a lot of people, fuck you. And it's some it's it's a level of fuck you that like the regular hand phaser just can't convey. So her coming down in this puff of smoke like a like a gangster, like Elliot Ness kicking in the door with a Tommy gun. 
standing over a crippled Tom and a sweaty, uh, a sweaty Kim. It's a real cool girl power moment, I think. It is. It is. It, this is. It, it typifies Janeway's not giving a fuck attitude. Like, no, no, security chief. I'm going down first with the goddamn phaser bazooka, and I'm getting the shit done. The last time <laughs> I had to pull a jailbreak, I didn't even have a baseball bat. This time I'm coming in ready. You know what would have been last, cool? Last time I had to take a guard aside and act like I was going to suck his alien dick in order to get the advantage. <laughs> I'm, gonna have I'm to mis- fucking shooting some people this time. Last time I had to do a prison break, I had to misrepresent an entire Voyager episode on a TV stinger. How cool would have been? How cool would it have been if there was finally a moment of realization that, again, she's dealing with the corrupt government, that she had to, you know, free people who were unjustly prisoned. And she would have taken that necklace that her dad gave her and and put that on as kind of like a Rambo moment before going down in there. And there was opportunity maybe for some character development for Janeway, but I appreciate that instead of taking that time, yeah. they gave us way more with Tom and Harry. When you think about it, like yeah. all of the detail that they built into this, like, again, if you're listening to this, go watch it. It's hard to convey it. You have to see it that they they all the detail that they build into those scenes and the whole prison atmosphere, the Mad Max prison atmosphere is great. And anything else they could have done would have taken away from that. I prefer they didn't. You know, I like that they kept the focus on Tom and Harry. And sure enough, they roll in like like you said, Elliot Ness and the Untouchables. They grab Harry and, and uh, Tom. They they get them back onto Neelix's ship while Neelix does space cat buffoonery, as you put, <laughs> to try and delay the, the locals and does some fancy maneuvering of some like Millennium Falcon getting close to the asteroid to, to, to lose the TIE fighters shit mm-hmm. and, and, and gets away clean. And uh, they they wrap the episode back on Voyager. Oh, yes. So they get on there for uh, a real nice, you know, tap of the homeostasis reset button. What would have been life threatening sepsis, miserable death uh, on the penal colony. The doctor has, you know, cleaned up lickety split and you've got uh, Janeway and Kim and uh, Paris and the doctor. And I think Kess might be in there, too, as they yeah, kind of she got she had a line in there. Yeah wrap things up about, you know, how good it is to be home and they take off down the aisle way. And uh, Tom's right back in to talk about, you know, what are they going to eat? Because, you know, they've been starved nearly to death. And Harry stops mid stride with like this guilty look on his face. And he's like, Tom, I can't just go back to being normal, man. Like. I I almost killed you, you know, we we can't look past a fact that like shit, we just went through some really bad shit and I almost just stabbed you to save myself because I was so mad and so crazy. I, I love the line. I love Tom's whole attitude about it where he says, you know what I remember? I remember someone saying this man is my friend. Nobody touches him. And I'm going to remember that for a long time. Like it was a perfect note for their friendship. It was a perfect Tom note because like he's been through shit. He knows how to cope with what happened, and that is got to move on, right? Mm-hmm. Got to move past it, can't dwell on it. This Harry's, you know, this has never been through anything like this, so he's dwelling on it. And so he's trying to help his friend out and be like, listen, I know what you almost did, but let me remind you of what you did do. 
And then when push came to shove and the situation was hopeless, you were going to go down swinging for me, even though we were both going to die. Yeah. And I'm never going to forget that you did that. And that was beautiful. It was just a perfect ending. Like, I know that, you know, things go back to normal in Star Trek. Voyager does it even worse than anyone else. This is this is a good note for them to be like, yeah, we went through some shit. But one thing's for certain is that you in the end, you didn't give in to it. And that's what you should focus on. And, you know, Harry, this might seem like a really bad thing to you, like it couldn't get worse. But I went through Event Horizon. And uh, let me tell you that on the total space insanity scale, this is actually pretty low down there. So let's just uh, smile, nod, move past it and go blow a week's worth of replicator rations. You didn't kidnap the captain (laughs) and have illegitimate space babies. Nobody cut your face off and then came to me trying to be my friend and get in my pants. R.I.P. What the hell was his name? Was that guy's name? Yeah, Dr. Dr. Face Guy from, yeah, from, from... From faces when they killed uh, Durst. It yeah, put Durst's Dr. Durst. Face Dr. Durst. Dr. Nookie. <laughs> R.I.P. Durst. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's a good episode. Uh, it's a little Christmas gift, maybe, for Voyager from, from giving it to us uh, uh, after some poopy episodes. Giving us a real good one. Just solid how, performances. How good would have been, though, if Neelix, during his little traitor ruse, would have donned the new Jack Neelix coat? There's so much good legacy they could have brought into this episode, man. I'm telling you. If only they could see the future of knowing what they left behind by not using the new Jack Neelix coat. Like, mm-hmm. So many good props. I, again, I think if uh, I think if Janeway would have looked, you know, the necklace I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I think if she would have looked at that necklace and she was like, you know what? Fuck it. Get the rifles. Yeah, I, I, I it was almost like how Picard sometimes like looked at the flute. You oh, saw yeah. the flute. Mm-hmm. come up every once in a while. Uh, I would have liked that continuity too. That would have been a great note. It wouldn't have been too jokey. It would have fit in with a very similar circumstance that she was in. Uh, but, you know, I'm okay with the fact that this episode's good enough that I'm forgiving it. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. I don't know if I would say this is like a top five episode for me, but it was certainly good. It was certainly engaging. There was no falling asleep in it like... uh the Excelsior episode last week uh, and just very strong performances out of everybody. It was, it was a very nice voyage outside of the Star Trek comfort zone. Um, I completely agree. It so was coming very... up. Yeah. So coming up uh, season three, episode four, the swarm, we got uh, the doctor and Kess is pus- pushing his hand away. Voyager is attacked by swarms of tiny spaceships. The doctor is losing his memory and Taurus activates a program run by a familiar hologram. What do you remember? I remember this one. Uh, It's a, it's a doctor focused episode. Uh, It's uh, I think something that we will enjoy watching and discussing. I'm not sure how compelling television it is, uh, but there's some, there's some deep nerd shit that happens here that I think will be interesting for us to, to, uh, to break into. And hopefully we'll find enough uh, jokes. uh, I'm hoping while doing so. I'm hoping when they say swarms of tiny spaceships, like you see a lot of people with like different shit glued to their face. You don't really see like little tiny races of, you know, pixies the size of your thumb. Like, I think it'd be pretty cool if there was just a planet of little dudes and they got spaceships, too. And those spaceships hurt. (laughs) You know, uh, there is a uh, a, again, 
we should watch Enterprise because there that exists there. Joe, in a long enough timeline, maybe, but I think that <laughs> if we manage to survive our trip through Voyager uh, with our sanity intact, I think Deep Space Nine is the direction I want to go next. I, I understand. I understand. Like after after slogging through all of this, you'll need some kind of cookie. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that does it for us here for uh, V'ger, please. Uh, you can expect uh, our next episode right after Christmas. Don't worry, we're, we're not skipping a beat. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>